you know, if there's a particular episode of 143 Pixels that speaks to you, you know, a game that you have played or a game that you started playing after listening to an episode of 143 Pixels, and you want to share your story with that game, then do me a favor and send an email to 143pixels at gmail.com. That's 143pixels at gmail.com. Tell me your story and I'll share it on a mailbag episode of 143 Pixels. Welcome to 143 Pixels. I'm Bill, and we're here to talk about games we love. Each episode, I bring a friend, and that friend brings a game. This week, my friend is David Brevik, and the game he brought is EverQuest. I asked David to come on the show because he is passionate about games. I had the opportunity to interview him before on one of my other podcasts called Run, Jump, Stomp, and we talked all about a game that he created that forever changed the landscape of the gaming industry. That game is Diablo. You should go ahead and check out that interview because we had a I, I had a blast talking to him. I'm just going to assume that he had a blast talking to me as well. When I was talking to him, I could tell that not just his games, but all games were very, very important to him. And so I knew he would be a great guest to have on the show. And I was not wrong. This was a great interview. Uh, you could tell how much he loved EverQuest. And that's really what this show is all about, about talking about games that we love. And he brought EverQuest. And I was very, very happy that he did because EverQuest is a game that certainly tugs at my heartstrings. Uh, I have a lot of nostalgia for EverQuest. And uh, David obviously does too. He is a video, if you don't know who he is, uh, he is a video game designer. He's a lover of sports, scotch, and music. He is a father of four, and he is the co-founder and president of Blizzard North. He's best known for creating the Diablo franchise. He worked on games like Hellgate, Marvel Heroes, as well as now he does his own independent studio called Graybeard Games. That's Graybeard with an A-Y, G-R-A-Y, Beard Games. And um, he recently released... It Lurks Below, which is kind of like a hybrid between Diablo and uh, Terraria, which you should definitely check that out. You can find him on Twitter at David Brevik, but you should also head to his site, graybeardgames.com, and check out his game that he made, uh, It Lurks Below. He's also a Twitch streamer, and his wife is a Twitch streamer, and sometimes they stream together, uh, so you should make sure that you check out their stuff over at his channel, which is Greybeard Games, and his wife's channel, which is The Jungle Queen. So you can check out both of those uh, over on, uh, on on their Twitch channel. Uh, anyway, without any further ado, I've given you some background information about my guest. Now I want to give you a little background information about the game. But first, we're going to hear from a sponsor. And when we come back, it's time to uh, talk all about EverQuest. <laughs> It is rumored amongst the most intelligent races of Norad that first came the dragons. The great crystalline dragon, ruler over the plain of sky, deposited life onto a lifeless planet, and with one swipe of her mighty claws, laid claim to the promise of a new world. 
Norath quickly developed from infancy as brave explorers journeyed forth in search of fertile lands on which to build. Villages became towns. Towns became cities. Cities became kingdoms. Hey everybody, Bill here. I want to take a minute and talk about my process for making 143 pixels. It is a seasonal show, which means basically what I do is I, I do all of the interviews and then I do a bunch of research and then I do a bunch of uh, recording and then I do a bunch of editing. And this takes a whole bunch of time. So what usually happens is I will get 10 episodes completely finished and then I will start releasing them. Some people may not want to wait for me to finish a full season before I start releasing it. And I've got good news for you. I recently, and honestly, I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but I recently uh, made an early access tier on the Patreon, which you can find over at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. And if you join at the early access tier, then as soon as I finish an episode of 143 pixels, I post it and you get to listen to it like right away. You get your own RSS feed that is just for you. And I upload the podcasts as soon as I finish them rather than waiting until I get an entire season done. In addition, if you didn't know, uh, that also gets you access to all of my shows 100% ad free. So again, that URL is patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. And without further ado, let's get to the next episode of 143 Pixels. Thanks for listening. EverQuest is one of my favorite games of all time. It is an MMO RPG, which stands for Massively Multiplayer Online Role-Playing Game. And it kind of defined the genre until World of Warcraft came along. In fact, I'm sure that World of Warcraft took a lot of stuff from EverQuest. It was developed by Verant Interactive and partially 989 Studios. I'm a little muddy on what exactly happened there with the name change, but it's probably one company bought another. Uh, the game was published by Sony Online Entertainment for uh, a good run of its time, and then eventually it reverted back to Verant, I believe. The game was directed by, and or I'm sorry, it was produced by Brad McQuaid. The designers of the game were Steve Clover, Brad McQuaid, and William Trost. And the music, the amazing music, which I'm sure you're going to hear sometime during the podcast, was made by Jay Barbeau. The game was released, oh my God, this is so long ago, March 16th, 1999. That's a long time ago. Game Over Online said, despite the initial problems which seem to have been fixed at the point of the review. Uh, EverQuest is an amazing game. I absolutely love playing EverQuest, and it should not be passed up by anyone. If RPGs really aren't your thing, it's no big deal. You're not forced to be a role player in EverQuest. EQ shows off some great technology and what the internet is capable of doing. That is, bringing thousands of players together in an online world. EverQuest has an extremely long replay value simply because there's so much to explore and so many classes to play. What, oh, I'm sorry, so what the hell are you waiting for? Go buy EverQuest now. Computer Games Magazine said that Verant and Sony have done a good job in supporting their product, and despite 
the carping about unresponsive GMs and poor customer support aside that sometimes appears on the internet, EverQuest is one of the best run online games out there. It works, it delivers what it promises, and it looks good. It might not be your cup of tea indeed, but if you don't have three or four or more hours a day to put into it, it's probably not worth your time. If you do, though, it's a fantastic escape from the world and a wonderful virtual reality to play in. Let's see how it stacks up to the challenges in the next six months as Asheron's Call and others try to nose in on Sony's territory. Check back next year to find out. That's that's from uh, Computer Games Magazine. Uh, the game has had really good sales. By the end of 2004, its lifetime sales exceeded 3 million copies worldwide, and it reached an active subscriber peak of 550,000 people all playing at the same time. This was completely unheard of at the time and was not expected by Sony. Sony anticipated a few thousand people playing at a time, not 550,000 people playing at a time. It takes place in a typical fantasy setting called Narath that has dragons and orcs and elves and trolls and all of the stuff that come along with that. It is the game that created Ding. Uh, when you level, it has this really... I'm going to see if I can find the sound file for it, but when you when you level up, you get this very satisfying, loud ding sound. <laughs> Basically, every time somebody leveled, they would shout that to the zone, ding, letting everybody know, hey, look at me, I leveled up, I'm a higher level now, and everybody would say the congratulations and stuff like that. And even though other games don't have that ding sound when you level up, we still say ding when we level up. We still say, hey, I just dinged. Uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. Anyway, uh, there's really no spoilers that you have to worry about for this game, so you don't have to worry about any story really at all. Uh, but without any further ado, here's the intro to EverQuest and some of the best music ever. students that because uh, we were talking about time zones and uh, how it's it's difficult to to do this but Google Calendar kind of does it all for us now which is really nice <laughs> it is helpful that uh, that it does that for sure so okay uh, this is the first time that uh, I haven't known what the game is ahead of time so what game did you end up choosing to talk about uh, I'm going to talk about EverQuest oh man EverQuest is such a great game uh, so why did you choose EverQuest as the as the game that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I did it for a bunch of different reasons, but uh, I think that uh, probably it's the game that I've played the most, that I lost myself in the most, has been 
kind of a bit one of the biggest influences on my career as well as just uh a game that i'm still kind of passionate about even though it's 20 years old now i could be wrong um when we spoke before uh when i interviewed you about diablo i i believe i remember you mentioned that did did you meet your wife on everquest or yeah yeah you met her through the game the reasons Correct. Yeah. Well, sort of. We we knew each other in real life, but uh, played the game together and really kind of fell in love playing. That's awesome. So, uh, so uh, EverQuest and uh, what was your first character? Uh, well, my first character was uh, was a necromancer, but I've got a, quite a you know a little story about that as well about what a disaster that turned into to being uh, and how how traumatized I, traumatized I was at the end on and I guess actually my very first character was a shaman. Anyway, yeah, I, I've got two two stories about that. Oh, I want to hear them. Tell tell me the the necromancer story. So uh, in general, the uh, the um, uh, the the necromancer story is that there was a uh, a kind of boss fight uh, a uh, a raid boss where we had to get a bunch of people together uh, and this was in the original kind of vanilla version of EverQuest uh, it was a dragon fight and, Lady Vox right uh, correct okay and uh, there there were two there were Nagafin and Vox and this was a, a Vox story where we went out to permafrost which is super far away. Uh, from anything and uh, and we went out there and uh, the the raid was going on it was my first time I was there and so we started to kind of clear out the area uh, to you had to clear out these ice giants to to get to Lady Vox and uh, I uh, decided that I didn't want to run all the way back out there if I died and missed you know because there was a good chance I was going to die fighting the dragon I didn't want to have to run all the way back out there so as a necromancer, you can bind anywhere in the world. At any location in the world, you can bind your character there so that when you die, you reappear in that location. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, I bound myself uh, kind of at the beginning where the ice giants were. And uh, and uh, sure enough, I died fighting the dragon, but we were doing such a poor job and it was such a disorganized raid because it was just a pickup raid a pickup group of people it wasn't really like there was a guild running the whole thing and uh and it took so long that the ice giant started to respawn and so when i popped up from my death uh i was instantly killed over and over and over and over again and one of the things that happens when you uh when you uh, you know is that you lose experience when you die in EverQuest and like a lot of experience. And so I was like dying over and over and over again. And I was de-leveled several times and I didn't know what to do. I was totally panicked. And eventually I just unplugged the computer from the wall. (laughs) Oh my God. So you Uh, just walked over and yanked the cord. Yeah. I just yanked the cord. I just like, I I, I didn't know what to do. I had lost like two levels of experience and uh which is like i don't know like a week or two weeks of grinding play or whatever to get back and uh and uh and i it took me like i don't know uh five years to even try and load that character up again because i just was so traumatized by the fact that i had lost all that experience i switched my main character from that necromancer to a different character i just could never face it again for years and years after Oh my goodness! What was that? What was that necromancer's name? 
uh, <laughs> as a young person, it was, uh, you know, naming things in not really, you know, it wasn't really all that original was Lestat. Was that- <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Uh, that, that is a, that is a wonderful, uh, story. I mean, obviously a very traumatic experience for you, but as right. a, as a, as a story for like, cause I think a lot of people who are listening to this probably, you know, when they play MMOs, uh, ever like they're 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 not as punitive as they were back then, and dying over and over and being deleveled twice—that is a ridiculous amount of work in order to get back what you lost at that point. I remember, I mean, I was not level, I was not max level, um, and I ended up just deleting this character. Um, I had made a bard. And um, I was playing as a bard, and I always wanted to play as the bard because they had Salo's, um, the, the song that they could sing when then run fast, right? Yep. Uh, so I'm running from, um, uh, what's the city that was on the west side of the continent? Kainos. Kainos, yeah. I, I was running from Kinos to Freeport. And because uh, that's, and I'm like level five or something, right? I'm, I'm high enough that I have. Uh, the 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 speed song. It was Salos, right? Salos. Yes, correct. Yeah. So I'm high enough that I I have Salos, and I'm running from Kinos to Freeport. And my roommate had just bought the game, and they made a dwarf because, and basically, I was making a character to play with them. And they had made a dwarf, and they were in Crushbone fighting orcs. And right. uh, he was learning the controls. And uh, if you're if you've ever if if you've ever played this game, listener, uh, in Crushbone there is like a little river that kind of goes through. It's it's this orc town basically, and people would go there and farm it for XP. And there's like this little river that goes through, and he had fallen into that river, and I was like, no, you have to hit the page up button on your keyboard in order to look up because he had never really had to deal with that before. Uh, so I. Like my character's on auto run and I hopped up from my computer and walked over and I was like, you know, here, push this button because he, he walked up to a ladder. And so then he's climbing up and he got killed by some orcs. And do you know um, what's the zone where you're going up the the mountains uh, on your yeah, way no, to the halfling a, city? There was a large uh, kind of like cavernous ravine on yes. one side and this winding and it was East Karanis was the, the name of the zone. Where you kind of go up this giant ramp on the on the on the east side of the of the zone, and and you you mentioned the ravine. My character just flew right off it with Salos powering his feet, and right off into the ravine, and he had landed in a spot that you could not physically get to oh, anymore. Man. And it, back in that day, not just with David, where he de leveled, uh, you also like you you had to go find your body, your corpse. You respawned yeah, naked like you didn't have anything and you had to go find your corpse. So everything that I had and I had uh, I had transferred stuff to that character. Uh, it was so devastating because all that stuff was now in a location that I couldn't get to. And I was just like, all right, well, I'm going to have to play some other character. Oh, man, uh, that that really brings back memories that. Oh, yeah. God, by, I, 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 I think go ahead. I have I have stories similar to that as well. That was the the you know, the. The first character I ever made was uh, was a shaman, and uh, it was a barbarian shaman. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I kind of worked on the character was in the barbarian area was like these uh, this right outside of town. There's like these this uh, kind of snow zone uh, and there would be uh, just this line of like little baby polar bears and white spiders and things like that, that we come down and kind of like this. There was a series of ravines that were kind of all over the place. And so all the monsters would just march down the center of these ravines and you just sit there and line up and, <laughs> and kill them as they came to you. Uh, and uh, so it was kind of easy to level up in that section, which was really nice. But uh, then after you kind of like leveled out of that section, you were about level five or six or so. Then the next step was to go to this dungeon called Blackborough. And the very first time I went in there, uh, one of the things about the, sh- the the barbarians that sucked is that you couldn't see in the dark. It was really, really <laughs> difficult to see. So I like went into this Blackborough thing. It was super scary. I finally got, you know, it was high enough level to get in there. And I walked in there and it was nighttime. I couldn't see anything. I walked into the middle of the zone and there is a pit in the middle of the zone that drops you down to the bottom of the dungeon. Oh my so god. So you got to like that you go from the surface down to the like high level monsters down at the bottom of the dungeon and like you said when you die you lose all your stuff is on your corpse. I so I fell in the, in this pit. I fell down to the bottom of the dungeon. And uh and I lost all of my stuff because nobody could get down there. Nobody was high enough level that like I was level, let's say six or seven or something like that. And the monsters down at the bottom were like level 17. And so my corpse just rotted down on the bottom because I couldn't see. So then I made this necromancer that was a dark elf that had night vision. And that was the whole reason that I made the necromancer <laughs> was so that I could actually see in the dark. And I wouldn't fall down in a pit and lose all my stuff. <laughs> I always felt like the 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 the, uh, the dark elves had the huge advantage over everyone else being able to see so because they had not just night vision but like ultra vision like they could see better right. than everybody could. Um, and yeah, and if you played advantage. a yeah, if you played a Urid, uh, Uridite, uh human or a barbarian, like you were kind of screwed. You couldn't see anything, and it was so frustrating, especially if you wanted to play a monk. Because at the beginning, the only monks were humans, so right. like you were you were tied into to that. So, uh, we, okay, we've we both shared some some awful stories about that game. Although, it's like, do you look back on that awful story with nostalgia still? I think that uh, one of the things about EverQuest that's so wonderful is everybody has, I would say, stories of like shared community extreme pain stories and <laughs> wonderful moment stories. Like it is the most, like the, the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows, which is one of the reasons I just really love the game is just because there's so, so many wonderful, amazing stories that have come out of it, but also just some, some terrible things and some, and it's just like this mix that's all over the place. And so, yes, I have amazing stories of of triumph and 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 winning as well as uh, terrible stories that a lot of people can commiserate and they're like oh yeah that the worst gaming experience of my life <laughs> happened in everquest but damn i love that game <laughs> yeah uh so let's hear about uh david's triumphs like wh- what are some of the stories what are your best experiences with with uh everquest what was something that you're like man like your favorite moment if that that it felt like it was you and not your character 
Yeah, I think that uh, there was a lot of things. I think that the one of the things about EverQuest that was wonderful uh, and is still wonderful uh, is the fact that it was more of a true MMO than any other MMO, in my opinion, that's come since, or at least ones that I've tried and been familiar with. Uh, and that's because uh, not every class could do everything. Uh, and that was that's one of the critical design decisions that they made, uh, which in retrospect has advantages and disadvantages. But the advantage is that because you can't do everything, you were required to play with other people. Uh, and so uh, there are a couple classes that could solo. But for the most part, if you were playing, you had to group up to kill anything above level about six or seven. And, uh, and so, uh, you, uh, it, so it forced you into these groups and forced you to play with each other. And really because of the, the pace was super slow, uh, you were able to kind of, uh, have real conversations with people and make long lasting bonding friendships playing this game because, you kind of sat around and waited and, and like had this kind of long period, several hours a night, let's say, of just I'm not really doing all that much. It's not really all that challenging. I'm just kind of like grinding out some experience in some location where we're doing something. And usually something would interesting would happen. You would all die or they like there'd be a train or there'd be like, the you know, the oh, this high level monster came and killed us all or whatever. Like they like things happen still. But for the most part. Most of the evening, you sat around and you, and you chatted, so you got to know people better in this game than any other MMO. You you form these incredible relationships, and because of that, uh, you know that that was one of the reasons that I kind of like fell in love with my wife. We had known each other; she worked at Blizzard as well, and uh, and so we had this kind of Blizzard guild that we of people that were playing from Blizzard and. We really got to know each other playing and spend a lot of time chatting and, and kind of like telling stories. So every night we would get on. It was basically a glorified chat room in a lot of ways and uh, and kind of level our characters and get to know each other. And so I think that the, the bonds I formed and still to that, this day, there are a lot of people that I was in the guild with. I still chat with on, uh, you know, every couple of months I chat with these people, even though we haven't played EverQuest together in years and years and years, I still form some lifelong friendships uh, from playing that game just simply because of the way that the, the game kind of the pace of the game and the way that you communicated and you were forced to group together. You know, uh, you, you kind of stumbled on something with the pace of the game that I think is very important that I think a lot of people might not realize is the reason why it was so successful for you and for a lot of people. And that's uh, because it was so slow. Like it was a long, you were, you were, you would not be in a zone for a day. You would be in a zone for a long time. So you would go and everybody would do these camps in this one zone. And that's the zone that you played in from this level to this level for an extremely long time. So that gave you a chance to get to know those people because if, you know, if I play World of Warcraft or something, I might finish all of the quests in a zone in a few hours and then I'm done and I never go back there again. Whereas I, in EverQuest, I would be in uh, Eastern Kunark or something. I would be there fighting bad guys, uh, 
for, you know, three, four, five, six nights in a row. And so you start to recognize those people. You're like, oh, yeah, I grouped with him yesterday. He was a really great healer. Uh, let's invite them if they're looking for a group. Or, uh, oh, man, this guy was a, a, an amazing puller. He always had a, the next monster ready to go the next time. And, of course, this this warrior was hilarious every time that, that I've grouped with him. So you kind of got to know those people because you were forced to hang out for long periods of time. And they, you didn't have um, things like quests and mechanics to distract you from the conversation, if that makes sense. Does that make sense to you, Dan? Absolutely. That is that you you hit the nail on the head there. That is exactly right. That is, uh, and that that was kind of that. In a lot of ways, it was it was terrible. And it, I mean, from a gameplay like a game design standpoint, it was like non optimal. But uh, but at the same time, it was wonderful because it, you had these kind of experiences and you gained reputations like amongst your peers and things like that, that were just that in, in, for instance, in World of Warcraft, like I'll go to a zone and I'll spend, let's say, even in one day in that zone, like leveling through all the quests or whatever, and I'll never meet a single person. I'll never group up with anybody else. I'll just do my thing. And even when I play with other people, it's like, oh, yeah, well, we got to go do this other thing because this person has this quest or whatever, and I don't, and it sucks that I don't have the quest, and they do, and they're going to get more experience, and I'm kind of going out of my way to do this. And so you kind of like, in some ways, are pitted against each other uh, mechanically instead of this combination goal of we're just here to gain experience and hope, hope we can find some. Uh, and uh, it, it was just such a different era because it, it was also – the, I would say in some ways the game design is brilliant. In some ways for EverQuest, it's brilliant. And it's also terrible. Uh, and uh, you get, it's kind of simple. It has lots of flaws, but it also in those flaws created these kind of situations that were just magical. So I don't really know how to justify that nobody can solo in, uh, or very few people can solo, but and I don't think that if you made an MMO today that you could get away with that. But it was because it was kind of the first experience that was like this. You didn't really have any choices. If you wanted to play an MMO, EverQuest was kind of the one. Uh, there were others. There was like Ultima Online and stuff, but it was just such a very different design that it was not, it was not, it, you know, Ultima Online, for instance, was like a top-down game and things like that. It just didn't have the immersive experience that EverQuest did. And so if you wanted this experience, this was the only game in town. So you kind of, in some ways, suffered through it because some of the rewards, like like we said, were just so magical. You go to a zone and there were hundreds of people in this area, like grouped together, fighting some kind of, uh, you know, uh, event mob or people were selling things or there were like lots of trading going on or whatever it was there were like people that were all over the place that you could group up and and form these relationships with uh that just never has really been captured in another mmo since i feel like uh, when you describe the way that in in you're playing other mmos where you're you might be grouped with somebody maybe uh, but you still are playing alone. It's it's like you're soloing together is what it feels like, in in my opinion. And there's something about 
about EverQuest that because they hadn't figured things out, it's so so you you said something. This is usually like the last question I ask, but I'm going to ask it now. You don't think that this this game would do well today if it was it like imagine that the other games like like the EverQuest never existed and it came out today as it was and we forgive the bad graphics um do you think that that would like that 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 it could catch on at all or do you think it's a game of its time yeah i i think it's a game of its time i don't think that anybody like coming from wow with its i can imagine maybe if there was like a slicker interface and some stuff like that maybe it has a bit of a chance but uh largely no i mean it 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 was too similar to World of Warcraft, uh, and uh, to, for it to kind of like stand out. Does that make sense? And so, yeah. because it uh, because of that, then uh, it's going to get directly compared to World of Warcraft, and it comes up short for most people, especially. Uh, I mean, games today are just so 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 d- different than they were twenty years ago. There is such an incredible amount of competition that nobody has time for something other than stellar or super unique Mm -hmm. Uh, because there are 50 games a day released on steam because there are a hundred iPhone slash Android games a day because there are the, the whatever platform it is are flooded with content right now. Uh, it really takes something special to stand out. And uh, I don't think that EverQuest, if it came out today without just tons and tons of marketing and maybe some kind of like, like if it had some kind of, I don't know, ray traced amazing graphics or something, there was some kind of hook, <laughs> then maybe, maybe you could get people to play. But if it was, but if it just came out and had kind of average graphics and, uh, and had kind of the gameplay that, that it has, I, I, I can't imagine it would be very successful. And the, 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 like, there were no, I mean, there were quests in the game, but it wasn't like you, you, you didn't know how to get those quests without doing research or sitting there and talking to the NPCs. Like, did, did, do you remember going up to an NPC and saying hail, and then they would say something back and then you would have to, uh, try and look through the sentence that they said back to you and try and decide maybe they, maybe this is like a key. So I would say something about it trying to find a quest that they might send you on did you ever do that of course yes we uh and uh yeah they uh that's exactly right they you would they you wouldn't know which word it was either you had to like trigger so you'd be like oh uh what what armor are you talking about or something like that you mm-hmm. would have to like kind of have a conversation a mock conversation and then then their interpreter on the server side would like look through the sentence and see if you asked like what or where or you know some of the key how or things like that oh and then did you mention one of the keywords that's in my sentence like armor and stuff like that because you know then if you did then it would like continue the conversation but if you didn't come up with the key sentence then you had to and so everybody like eventually tried to figure out these quests and started documenting them and you know so you would go to the online to figure out oh somebody finally figured out how to progress in this quest or the other quest or whatever we found found the key word that that we were looking for and i mean everquest was such a different game back then there was no internet was still kind of new 
people were you know weren't spoiling things on the internet there were no it, like it took forever to figure things out ui was super clumsy you actually had to like type in chat sentences to to have conversations with with npcs uh i mean it was just such a, a different era there was no map Right. There's no map in the game. Like in order to get around, you had to work on a skill called sense heading that allowed you to like and so you like press the sense heading to kind of like, oh, I think and it would often return. You don't know which way you're facing. Mm -hmm. And so like you didn't even know there was no map in the zone like you were trying to like find your way around you would get lost in the middle of these locations like i don't know where i am and there was no way to figure out where you were in the zone and eventually like years later they came out with things like eq atlas a website that where people had drawn kind of the map of the zone uh and and then you would see this map and you're like oh my god that that makes sense now because the map you had in your head didn't look anything like the maps that i saw in eq atlas <laughs> and uh it was like oh i guess that is right over right next to this thing i always went the long way around this little hill but it turned out that it was right next to this other thing or whatever that you know site a was near site b but i always took the long weird way around it absolutely i remember when i was playing my roommates and i uh, we had a printer and we went to Alakazam and we printed off all of their maps and we ha we kept them in a binder that we would that we would keep at, like at our at our desk. And so somebody would like we'd be playing, we'd be like, hey, who's got the binder? And we would shout that out because I lived with like four other people. And so we would be, oh, I got it. And we'd go over, get the binder and flip to the page that has uh, the, the, the zone that you're in and you're like, oh, okay, I got to go this way to get to this zone. Uh, so like, and, the, and I had forgotten about sense heading, uh, putting it on a button. And as you walked around spamming that button to practice the skill, to get better at it. Um, that was, it's okay. So when you die, you're, you're heavily penalized. You lose all your stuff. There's no map. The sense heading button doesn't work. The quests are non-intuitive. All of these things that we keep saying make this game sound terrible. But I would not trade my time playing EverQuest for anything. How did they do that? It's kind of a mystery. I mean, I think that really... It, it, I mean, it was such a revolutionary experience for me that I'd never had in gaming before. And honestly, I haven't really had it since that, uh, that like I said, you didn't have any choice. If you wanted to kind of experience this thing where you were playing with thousands of other people in the same world at the same time, this was the only game that had ever had that at that point. And so in a lot of ways, it just, it was like this kind of massive Dungeons and Dragons online world where you could and you felt like you were in a world and in a place with real people and a real community that that no other game had ever kind of a lot of games were especially RPGs were single player. And if you were lucky, then you had kind of like multiplayer, but it was maybe four on the on the outside, maybe eight people, but mostly like four people playing together. And, and, and so it, it was hard to get that that many people together to play. It wasn't intuitive. Absolutely. Then this uh, this comes around and you've got thousands of people playing at any given time. You're like logging in and there's thousands of people playing on my server together. 
it was just so unique and so revolutionary that it was that was the exciting part about it. It's like, ooh, who's online today or where am I going to go? And not just that, but it was also there was like this real sense of adventure because there were no maps, because you didn't know where you're going, because you like exploring actually meant something. Mm-hmm. And and you would try and find, oh, like I've I've killed kind of the they set you up early with killing little creatures right outside your town, but then they kind of let you go and they said, good luck in the world. And they didn't tell you where to go or where to. And so you went out and you explored the world to try and find places where you, in order to determine whether or not you could kill a mob, one of the things you could do is you could con it. So you would like select the, the, the mob and you would press the letter C and it would tell you whether or not, this mob was red <laughs> against you, which meant it was going to kill you. It was yellow, which it meant it was most likely going to kill you. It was white, which it meant it was even level, which meant it was going to kill you. And or <laughs> blue, uh, or blue, which is yeah, that's the sweet spot. Those are the monsters you're looking for, are the blue monsters. Or then green, which are too low level, don't give you experience. So like you had to go wander around the world and try and find a little camp or a little cluster of monsters that was blue. Oh, this is a good spot. And then you and so like you explored the world and without any maps, without any way of knowing where to go, you like had to memorize landmarks and weird looking structures and stuff like that to try and figure way your way around the world in these zones and go from one location to the other and be safe and kind of like find a place to sit down and get some experience for a little while. And there were no guides. There was nobody helping. There was like this sense of wonderment of like, how do you even get better gear? Where do you even go to get better gear? Where do you even go to get some experience? And like, so there were lots of like rumors and chat. You would talk to people about camps and where do you go find that? And oh, how'd you get that item? And oh, oh, this high level player, he got it off of, he got this, uh, this uh, sword off of a hill giant or whatever, you know, and it's like, it, it was, it was just this total piece of junk sword, but it was way better than anything you'd ever seen. It was a fine steel sword or whatever. It was like, Oh my God. And so, it, you know, like through this experience, you would find these named creatures in these, and you get all these rumors and stuff of people that kind of got together and found these locations uh, through a real sense of exploration. And, uh, and, and I think that that, that like there was no, there were no real spoilers on the internet in the same way that there are now, uh, where everything is kind of mapped out for you and kind of given to you on a silver platter and you go out and you find it. And that was another thing about it, that it was like it, no other game has captured that sense of exploration and kind of wonder that EverQuest had at the very beginning. You know, you, you bring up the con the slash con and um, or hitting C and the, you know, the different colors, but it would also give a message where it would tell you whether or not it looked friendly or if it would scowl at you ready to attack. Uh, so it would let you know if like where you stood with this, could I walk up to this and talk to them or is this going to uh, attack me right away? And it reminds me that you played the most evil of evil characters, the dark elf necromancer. I mean, you can't get more evil than that. Uh, in this game, they had uh, factions. They had the good guys and the bad guys. And David, he played on the side of the bad guys as a dark elf. 
So that meant that there were some cities that he couldn't go to. Did like, can you tell me of, uh, about the time when you found out how to get through Freeport as an evil character? <laughs> yeah, uh, that yeah, that's exactly right. And so, uh, luckily, as a necromancer, you could do you could cast invisibility on oh, I yourself. Forgot about that. And uh, and so uh, it, you could only cast it on yourself as a necromancer. There were other classes that you could that could cast invisibility on you. Uh, uh, but as a necromancer, you could only cast it on yourself. Um, and so, uh, and so some monsters though, there were two different forms of invisibility as well in the game. There was invisibility and invisibility to undead. And so the undead monsters also could see through invisibility. Uh, and in fact, it wasn't just undead monsters, but there were other monsters that could see through invisibility. Uh, and you didn't know whether or not the monsters could see through invisibility. The only way you could tell, like you said, was this con system. You could like, if you were indifferent to them, then, oh, good. They don't see through my invisibility. But if they, if not, if they were ready to attack you, then it was like, uh, then it could be a problem. But there were many times like you go through Freeport. And one of the things about invisibility is it was totally unreliable. <laughs> the, the, it would start the blinking. Length- Right. The length that it lasted was random. So uh, so it could last for up to five minutes, but it could literally be 15 seconds. So you like you would cast invisibility on yourself and you would like try and dash through this city. And the city was like several zones long. And so as as a dark elf, I couldn't be seen in the city of Freeport or the guards would try and murder me. So like you cast it on yourself and you're like dashing through and you're just hoping and praying that that invisibility would, wouldn't wear off. And there were many times where it would. And it was like, I was kind of bobbing and weaving and, Oh, I got to find a dark corner somewhere. I've got to like get out of line of sight of any of the guards to try and like recast it on myself before they see me. And so it was like this game of like, like oh like i gotta dodge through it was like a sneaking game it was like almost like metal gear solid or something for a few seconds where i had to like sneak around this town even though i was invisible i always had to be on the lookout for a little nook or cranny where none of the guards could see me so that in case my invisibility wore off i could still make it through i remember it really blew me away when i realized that there was like a sewer system underneath that city that you could go through as an evil character. The guards weren't there, so it gave you a path through. But the disadvantage was that there were monsters in there that you had to fight sometimes. Uh, and that always, I always thought that that was really cool. I always played the good guys, and I was always jealous of the bad guys and how cool that that existence must be does that does that make sense how i kind of envied the 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 trials that you had to go through because it seemed rad oh absolutely that you know i it was it was really cool it was really a neat experience to like sneak around and be evil and not get caught and all of these kind of things that when it was it was it was exhilarating it added even more danger to the game which had plenty of danger don't get me wrong i mean there uh an example of this is like you'd be 
in the oasis, which is this zone, kind of low-level zone, killing these crocodiles on the shore. And there's randomly these sand giants, which were like, <laughs> the, the crocodiles were like level 15, and the sand giants were like level 35 or 40. They would walk by, and they would one-shot everybody on the beach. So, like, there was plenty of danger in the game, but, and it, but this kind of also added this sense of danger and realism to the world that I thought that was kind of unmatched. And I, I played both sides. I played uh a this the the necromancer the evil necromancer it, you know up until almost the level cap uh until i deleveled and then after that i switched and i played bards similar to you and so i played a, a good race all the way to the level cap and i played bard for years and years and years uh and then i went back and i played a an evil wizard so there was like the, those were my two kind of main characters was an evil wizard and a and a uh and a good bard. So I got both experiences and they were very different. And, uh, it, the, uh, the, the good experiences were quite, not quite as flavorful as the, is the evil experiences. And that's what I think I was, I was jealous of. What, what's your favorite zone in the game? Do you think? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, which one do you have the most memories from? I guess. Uh, I, you know, I think that my, the, the, I think that there were a lot of, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't really narrow it down. I, I loved Kazakh Thule. I loved Lower Guck. I loved, uh, um, uh, I, I loved Blackborough. Uh, I, I loved uh, State of Unrest. Uh, so I think that those were probably some of my favorite uh, dungeon zones. Uh, and, uh, but, and then outdoor zones, probably my favorite was, you know, East commons, yeah. uh, and, and West commons. I think those were probably my, my favorite outdoor zones. And East commons was where everybody sat. There was this tunnel that everybody would sit in the tunnel and they would, they would, uh, all sell their stuff there. And you mentioned lower guck. I remember as a good guy who was jealous of your ability to see in the dark uh, I went to Lower Guck a lot looking for my favorite item in the game was the Mask of the Deceiver, which you could get and yes. it would make you, it would give you, it would it would turn you into a night elf or a dark elf and give you ultra vision as well. And I always wanted that thing. I, every character that I made, I would always go and, and try and uh, get my hands on it because I always thought it was cool to be a good guy, but then be able to go to Nariac and check out those places too. Yeah, the, that mask was really cool. And originally there was a, it was called the Guise of the Deceiver. Right, and, right. Uh, and it, it was, eventually they replaced it with Mask of the Deceiver. But Guise of the Deceiver was really cool because anybody could use that. But they removed the item pretty early on in the game. Uh, so the, 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 there was the ultra rare version. Very few people had the Guise of the Deceiver item and then most people wore the mask of the deceiver which was like bard and enchanter only but the uh but the guise of the deceiver was a really cool ultra rare item that any class could use and so you could get your barbarian could could uh shaman could wear could get a guise of the deceiver and be a dark elf shaman who could see in the dark which was really amazing <laughs> um you, you you mentioned the enchanter i almost forgot about this i have an, a hilarious story that won't take long because we're running low on time a hilarious story about an enchanter uh i had made a high elf enchanter and i was in the beginning starter zone 
And one of the early abilities that you get in as an enchanter is it turns you into a random item. Like you just transform into an item. And I cast that ability and it turned me into the entrance to the Night Elf City. So I am now <laughs> like that, the, the columns and the pillars. And this guy is walking along and he see like I am that entrance and he walks through the, the, the gate like it's the white color, everything. I don't know if it was supposed to do this or if it was a bug or whatever. Uh, he walks through and he stops and he's he's because he's expecting the city to be there, I guess. And he turns around and walks out the other way and I turn it off. And I just I always thought that that was one of the coolest things. And it was a weird, uh, a weird story. Do you still play? I, I do. I do still play. I, and also that story there, there that spell is still in the game. It would like turn people into rocks. It would turn people into trees. It would turn people into all sorts of weird stuff all over the place. So you would like be sitting people. We cast that on each other, whatever as a joke, as the enchanters or whatever cast it on other people. There are all sorts of really funny, weird stories that come out of that. But uh, yeah, that was a great spell. I do still play. Uh, I, I, I have characters on the live server uh, that I still go back to and play every now and then. Uh, they're all super high level. And I th- believe that it, you know, EverQuest has recently celebrated its 20th anniversary. And it has, and I don't know how many it is, but it's a large number of expansions in the 20 range, maybe 25 yeah. expansions, something like that. I haven't caught, kept up. I'm, you know, I'm not at the level cap. I don't actively play all the time. Uh, but the, the version that I play the most now is uh, a version of the game called EQ99. Now, EQ99 started as kind of an illicit server, uh, but then they came to an agreement with Daybreak, and it is now a you know authorized uh, server. They don't it is completely free, uh, and uh, so you don't you you know you, you can anybody can play, uh, and it is kind of the vanilla. Uh, version of the game plus the first two expansions and that's it and that's all that it'll ever be and it doesn't have any kind of the upgraded modern features that it still doesn't have a map it still doesn't have like it's got kind of like a, a very old school early everquest feel to the entire thing and i still play that regularly in fact i played last night so uh it's uh something that i still enjoy playing quite a bit and uh, i've been leveling up a new character on that funny enough as a as a dark elf necromancer uh, <laughs> and uh and i've been playing that recently uh and still getting my request fix in so listen everybody if david and i have not scared you off with our tales of woe of this amazing game that he's he's not wrong it is definitely a game that exists in its own time um like you can try it out for free, I believe, right? No, you have to have the Absolutely. original client, no. don't you? Uh, EQ ninety nine. You have to have the original client, uh, but the uh, but the regular game you can is a free to play game. The standard EverQuest is free to. Right, but I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't like the new the 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 modern EverQuest myself. I like Project ninety nine. But it's really hard to get, like, you have to find the discs someplace. There's other ways to get it that I'm not going to get into, but you got to find uh, discs somehow in order to play this game, uh, Project 99. But 
Uh, yeah, David, there are places that will sell that discs and stuff, so you can you can get legitimate copies to yeah. to install it. Uh, so, David, I want to say thank you for coming on and talking about this. This was really fun, and it makes me want to load up Project Ninety Nine and go right back into it, and then realize that it's a game of its time. But um, it was really fun talking to you about this. Um, yeah, I had a great time. I love EverQuest and love <laughs> chatting about it. <laughs> uh, before you go, um, what I always try and do is I always have my my guest close out the show. The music is about to play, and uh, you know, so the music will be playing, and uh, I always have the guest say our outro or our motto, which is the resolution doesn't matter. The resolution doesn't matter. The theme song for 143 Pixels is Through a Cardboard World by Tony Lays. You can find more of their music at tonylays.bandcamp.com. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can find it at pixels143. And if you want to follow me, I'm at runjumpstomp. This show is part of the Giant Size Team Up Network. For more information, head on over to gstu.net. <laughs>